Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us for just chatting with Jacqueline and Chantel. If this is your first time. Hi. Hello. How are you? Welcome. Hey. If it's not your first time, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us again. And I'm going to let Jacqueline talk about what we are going to talk about today. Hey. So today we are just chatting about the ego and ego work. I have said that phrase ego work like probably dozens of times in our episodes up to this one so I felt like (laughs) it was time to dedicate an episode to what I meant by that Um, I also feel like it has been hugely helpful for me and for my growth and for my healing so um, yeah I definitely wanted to share about it yes we are so excited So without further ado, let's dive right in. Okay, so I started looking for Instagram accounts based around therapy and trauma work. And I love the Instagram platform. I find all of my resources there (laughs) that sounds silly but hey if it helps it helps (laughs) no I think it's become a really good platform for those types of things I do it as well I mean I spend so much time there so if I can use my time there to be valuable hey don't buck the system just make it work for you (laughs) yeah I agree no I think it's become a good community where good things are being shared and you just have to be intentional about who you're following. So yeah, agree for sure. So I kind of stumbled upon some like graphics um, about the ego and ego work. And if you listened to episode two, um, pulling yourself out of victimhood, if you haven't, I highly suggest that you do. If you have, you've heard this part before, but basically my ex kind of like got to this point and this was such a transitional moment for me where he was like Jacqueline like other people have their own lives and their decisions don't revolve around you and you don't have to have an emotion tied to like every decision everyone makes and this was mind-blowing to me (laughs) like (laughs) I don't have to have an emotion when someone was late meeting me like what um and so I've adopted these two mantras that I want to state like first and foremost. And I, like so many people hear me repeat these and I like try to like shout these in my brain often. Um, but one of them is that has nothing to do with me. And the other one is that's none of my business. And I will use these throughout this episode to um, kind of give examples of when I kind of use those for myself, but I am not a therapist. This entire episode is just my experience and my interpretation. Um, If you're looking for like a deeper resource, I'm happy to help guide you to that. Um, But I can't really, you know, again, just not a therapist. So um, this is my experience. This is what I have taken and internalized and worked on. I hope it's helpful and I hope you find further resources also. So the basics, um, the ego is essentially 
kind of just the voice in your head but it's basically like this culmination of all of your experiences and your like identity trying to tie what you're experiencing to what you've already experienced and what you know so it's basically like trying to make sense of our own identity our actions others actions the world around us how we fit into it um meaning in who we are meaning in what we experience um it's just trying to like connect all these things and i feel like for me the ego is always trying to tie things to us and i i would like put the visual in here that it's like an anchor to a ship and it can stop you in your tracks like it can stop you from progressing forward um Mm -hmm. and you don't need to be like tied to the ocean floor (laughs) yeah and I do you know something similar just to like point out um I I do not consider myself a witch if you will um I know that (laughs) if if y'all have ever heard me talk about that um and you kind of think oh witches are just Halloween like you really should look into what witches are and what they believe, mm-hmm. and they're not all Wiccan, and it's a whole thing. But I follow like a lot of witchcraft practices, and what we call this is shadow work, mm-hmm. and it's really the same thing. It's just kind of working with the deepest parts of yourself and the stories that you tell yourself around everything that happens in your life. So just a just a side note. Yes, and that is literally the next thing I wrote in my notes. The <laughs> ego tells stories. Yes. So the biggest thing about your thoughts that, well, the biggest thing about my thoughts that I have had to accept is that my thoughts are not fact. And no. <laughs> I they're not, say, Jacqueline. Sometimes you, they're downright irrational. Seriously. <laughs> once you accept that, you did the ego work, baby. You good. <laughs> but I just really... I, I really thought my thoughts were fact and that's (laughs) such a simplistic statement, but we'll dive into it. So, um, funny. (laughs) And so basically the ego creates theories, right? And the way it creates those theories is basically by making them up as it goes. It can only operate on what you know and what you've experienced. So it's drawing conclusions based on your past experiences. Oftentimes what stands out most for us and for our ego is pain and mistakes, right? And so a lot of times our ego can present itself in a negative manner because it's trying to avoid making a mistake or experiencing pain. But again, it's like part like, What's the science behind the ego? Like, what is the, have you read into like, not just the psychology, but kind of like, are there human biological reactions to what the ego tells us, the stories that they tell us, that it it tells us? (laughs) Yeah, I know that there are parts of the brain that kind of compartmentalize like our experiences, Mm -hmm. Um, but I've really just kind of focused on more of like the therapeutic work with it and just right it made so much sense to me like I didn't even <laughs> I didn't need the science behind it because I was if like anyone oh knows, this is it 
Well, you know, when you have, like you, before we started this episode, you had given me an example and it was something that I had actually done. And I know that feeling like it it becomes, it goes from like, it's just almost like an automatic feeling and there's almost like a biological response to it. I wouldn't say it's like fight or flight, but it kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like you go into defense, right? Yeah, so yeah, for sure. it would be interesting if anyone has done ego work and knows of like the biological response to these stories, if you will, um, it'd be interesting to hear about it. Yeah. And maybe we can do a follow up episode. I'm sure that information is out there for sure. So, yeah. So basically, like the ego compares what you're experiencing right in front of you to anything you've experienced before. And it finds similarities and then it basically makes up a story that you are experiencing the same thing you've experienced before because of whatever similarities exist. And the ego sounds like an asshole. The- <laughs> it's, it's, you know, when unchecked, for sure can be a bit douchey. <laughs> <laughs> My ego is a douche canoe. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Mine was definitely um, an (laughs) asshole. Um, So yeah, so the example that I gave uh, that Chantel referenced was like when a coworker is having one of those like moody, quiet days and you totally think it's about you and you totally think they're mad at you. And I, I always think you like you have no idea how much I think everything is fucking about me and it's like it's kind of gross <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of gross um yeah and so it's like what your coworker like their their cat got ran over that morning or I don't know their boyfriend Dutch ovened them or you know who knows it's like the most normal mundane stupid like day-to-day things that put us in bad moods right and we just assume that it's about us and basically what the ego is doing is it's observing someone else's actions and it's trying to make sense of those and it can only make sense you know in relation to us because it's our ego um and so it this is why i say like it ties things to you and like in a way that weighs you down because that scenario is totally separate from you, but it creates like this connection that isn't there. And then it drags you down all day and all day you're thinking someone's mad at you mm-hmm. or, you know, that you've maybe said something a little too far. You, did I forget about something that was due at work or, you know, and. Or long, you, if you have anxiety and you're prone to this. So I can imagine yeah. like uh, the catastrophic thinking can just spiral out of control. Oh my gosh. I just, I cannot even tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have very heavy anxiety around how people perceive me and even more so I would say how people experience me and I hold myself very accountable to people having good experiences with me, not necessarily for my reputation, but I just want people to feel good around me and after leaving me. And Enneagram too, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Thumbed <laughs> up in one little package. Absolutely. I I just I care so much about that. And so 
especially when people are just like honestly just a little bit more quiet than normal like (laughs) I'm internalizing the fuck out of that um and part of that's okay like I I do want to read people's emotions and I do want to be perceptive to when I've upset them but they haven't voiced it you know like I'm okay with that but not everything's about you so an example of when I would use a mantra is just you know recognizing like oh I'm overthinking someone else's you know moodiness or quietness or whatever Mm -hmm. and I just say that's none of my business and even if it is about me them being quieter is still none of my business or them being moody is still none of my business. I love Even if that. They are upset with me. Their like their way of reacting to their own emotions, that's none of my business. And they have a right to react. I mean, as long as they're not harmful and it's not yeah. like an abusive situation. I love that. I mean, and the fact that you're doing this work, I bet has been so beneficial to your relationships because and this is gonna sound like so shitty. But I love you and you know that. And I can say this. People (laughs) like you drain the fuck out of me. And and you've never actually drained me. But I think it's because you've done so much work on yourself. Because you know me. I have a tendency if I'm busy, I get short on text messages. Or I don't respond to them right away. Like that is just kind of how I am. And I actually lost a friendship because someone kind of internalized that. She was an Enneagram, Enneagram 2. <clears throat> and she constantly thought I was like mad at her and I was constantly having Chantel. to reassure her. What? I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've reread our text thread and been like, <laughs> did I annoy her? Am I saying too much? Am I bothering her while she's trying to work? <laughs> I've literally been like, that's none of my business. Oh, Until she so tells funny. me. <laughs> I swear I've legitimately been like, I wonder if I'm annoying her or. (laughs) Well, you've done that work, so it's never come up with us. But like, I lost a friendship over that because I, she, she was a stay at home mom. I have a crazy busy life and I'm constantly adding more shit to my plate. And so I'm never like, you're never, no one's ever annoying me. I'm just being short and like answering a question or like, you know, I'll like a message instead of sending a response just so that, you know, I'm acknowledging it. And yeah. it's so you're never... staying focused on like your workload. Yeah. Or I'm either on the phone or I'm dealing with Ryder in a temper tantrum or I'm in a, in the bathtub, you know, and I'm, I'm not someone who gives a shit how I make, like, I care how I make people feel, but I'm not as like into that person. I'm not as in tune to caring that I leave them with a positive feeling I'm just living my life and they're living their life and we're orbiting around the same stuff but it's not something I think about a lot I want to be kind to people but like I'm not I'm not analyzing how I respond to messages or things like that yeah no I think it's a healthy thing to not try to take responsibility for others emotions because literally you can't and (laughs) (laughs) but it's so funny that you've like I mean like read into her but I I literally like I said I lost a friendship because she was constantly needing reassurance that like I wasn't mad or I didn't piss her off or like the fact that I didn't invite her to do something with me was like a direct reflection Mm -hmm. on how I felt about her. Like, are you fucking kidding me? 
Like I didn't invite you to do this because I'm an independent human being. And that's like how I am. I do things alone. And so um, I had to like, I literally just stopped talking to her and was like, Hey, it, cause it makes me as a person, you know, the person I am, it makes yeah. me really uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable when people are like up my ass, like, you know what I mean? So, and yeah, it, I mean, and I love them and, and, but if you haven't done the work that Jacqueline's done, it can make it really hard. Right. Like, and I think yeah. you realize that now reflecting. I think it can be kind of a toxic thing to, or it not kind of, it is toxic to hold other people accountable for your perception of their actions and for your reaction to their actions and, and for your emotions. Like no one else is like accountable and responsible for that, but but just yourself. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to have relationships under those circumstances because just no one can be responsible for someone else's emotions. We can all be courteous. We can all be polite. We can all be thoughtful um, and mindful, but it's still just, it doesn't change that there will be misunderstandings or there will be, you know, miscommunications or just whatever and how you handle those things makes all the difference. So that impulse hasn't gone away for you it's still there you just have to work is that what you're telling me you have to like work around it yep and this is literally my next point so that was kind of like what is ego work or what what is the ego really kind of what we just discussed and then what is ego work so the actual work um for me the first step, and I don't know if this is the first step everybody advises, but for me, the first step is recognize when you get defensive and ask why. And defensive might not be like the best word choice there, but just kind of anytime I start questioning how I'm impacting someone else or how they're experiencing me, or if I do feel defensive to like defend my actions or something, um, For me, the very first step to all of this and the biggest thing that I've implemented and I would say has changed how I act and react to things is just simply recognizing those instances. And that is like not as simple of a thing. (laughs) I said the word simply, but it sounds so simple and it's not simple, but it is that simple. So can you give some examples? Um, Obviously text messages. Yeah. But, but what are some so, other things that you've, you feel triggered by? Um, yeah. Okay. So I actually had a conversation recently where um, someone said, well, I'll be open about this. So it was someone I dated and they said they had this perception of me that I wasn't a safe choice that I like, ha- like, in their mind, I had the potential to like cheat on them, which was a big insecurity for them. And immediately I got defensive inside and I, I I cheated in my marriage and it's something that I hugely regret. It was definitely like not me. It was very out of character and, and hugely driven by trauma and alcohol and just a lot of outside factors. Um, not to excuse my behavior or not take responsibility, but the fact that I have that experience and I regret it so highly. And then that someone like that, I don't even think that they knew that part about me, but the fact that someone like, it's almost like they uncovered like this dirty, dark secret about me. And I 
I was so defensive when they were explaining this to me. And I literally had to tell myself that has nothing to do with you, even though there is a connection, right? Like I, I kind of am a wild card, honestly, like I- I've cheated before. Who Who's to say I'll never cheat again. Like whatever this, it could be truly about my own personal actions, but the way they were describing it was, look, this was an insecurity. This is how I perceived you. Um, it has nothing to do with fact or was this North Carolina guy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It is. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I said, well, my first response is definitely to get defensive. But I hear you saying that it actually had nothing to do with like me, like actually who I am as a person or what you experienced with me. And that it was really based around your own past experiences and insecurities and whatever. Um, And so, yeah, it was just kind of, it's just that, that initial pause when you feel the need to defend yourself or when you feel the need to be like, Oh, are you mad at me? For me, that's, that's a big one is um, if I'm scrolling back through our text exchange (laughs) before I say (laughs) anything next, I'm immediately pausing and just thinking, you know, why, why do I feel, you know, the need for them to respond a certain way or the need for them to acknowledge every individual separate text I send, which literally I send every sentence separate. So (laughs) I'm the same kind of texter though. Um, well, and I think that that's, you know, a good point to make is our conversations because I've never been mad at you and I've never like felt any type of way like negative about anything you sent me but you maybe have felt that I I might have been annoyed or something so it's I, I mean, literally it's can't even count the times <laughs> y'all this this just tells me the kind of person I am I think too <laughs> giving yeah, me away no, and I mean you're you're honestly a, a highly like like emotionally intelligent person and you communicate really well so I know what to expect from you so for someone like me who kind of internalizes like people's reactions and the way they phrase things and whatever um I can handle like friendships with you a lot better but also I think just doing some of this work has really made me recognize like just how much I think everything is about me that's just (laughs) it's really the best way to phrase it and it's like God, if you could just hover like above somebody when they're responding to you, like a really short, like just okay, and you're internalizing that. And like, let's use us as an example. If I text Chantel, like, you know, uh, an episode idea, and she says, yeah, you know, and there's like no exclamation <laughs> points, or she doesn't heart it, or, you know, whatever, which is <laughs> very likely to happen between us, right? <laughs> I might think. This is not a real situation, by the way, to our listeners. It might be. I don't know. I, not that I recall. But, you know, I might internalize that and be like, oh, maybe it's a bad idea. Oh, maybe she doesn't <laughs> like it. Oh, maybe she thinks that's dumb. You know? And if I could just, like, hover over you in your home office. God, I can picture you, like, I, this is probably not even the real situation. But I just picture you, like, in a rolly chair, like, rolling to a file desk or, a, like, file <laughs> cabinet. You have, like, a headset on and you're, like punching the phone between lines like hey it's Chantel yeah I'm on that and then like clicking around on your computer (laughs) but part of it is just like removing yourself from that reaction 
and just visualizing the other person as a whole own human separate from you and I I really do like I visualize you that way because I really want to remind myself that like she has her whole own life like your (laughs) episode idea is like not at the top of her list right now and that's okay (laughs) like I mean, it's very important to me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, that, you know, my chair doesn't roll, but that is how I am. I'm constantly <laughs> doing something. I need. Don't a ruin chair. my visual. Okay, I'm gonna buy a rolly chair from somewhere tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, it's actually been on my list, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm just super, super busy, and I'm constantly talking to someone on the phone. That's just my mm-hmm. job, and so I can see how. I'm just trying to like acknowledge you because I, I know you as a person that if I don't respond to you at all, that that could hurt you. I, I do know that much about you because you are an Enneagram too. So I'm always trying to just respond like as fast yeah. as I can and get you a response, you know, and I don't feel any pressure to do that. That's out of love and out of like my, you know, emotional intelligence, just knowing yeah. how, who you are. Um, I'm trying to respond, you know, and I do that with a lot of people. I try to respond as quickly as I can. And sometimes I'll even type out a response and I get so busy with something else that I forget to send it. So then you might not have a message for me for like six hours. And it's a total accident because in my mind, I responded to her, you know? And so, you know, it's just an interesting look into, and it's a great example for people listening of the reality and maybe what your mind or ego tells you about the situation. Exactly. And it's funny because I have, definitely been too busy to reply to people or so busy that I replied a one word response. And so it's like, it's not even like, this is so foreign to me that I just can't comprehend it. It, <laughs> it really is just the ego internalizing it and com- like trying to come up with some kind of story around it, you know? And, I think- and we've all been in like a relationship or yep. we've been talking to a guy where we're analyzing their responses, right? So if you maybe can't relate to Jacqueline, imagine you're like talking to this new guy and he doesn't text you back for like three hours all of a sudden. Like imagine feeling that way about every single conversation yeah. that you have <laughs> and like analyzing it, right? So I think that's a good example for people who maybe can't relate entirely because I've definitely felt that with men, yeah, you know, yeah. like that I'm talking to. And I think my ego around this like I have experiences where delayed responses did mean that they were mad at me or you know and I I have some toxic relationships in my past where um, like friends just couldn't be happy for me so sharing like happy news and then their short response it, it was a really negative experience and so you know my ego is not pulling this like out of my ass like it's pulling it from a past experience Mm -hmm. but the more you recognize it the more you pause and reflect on it the more you can show your ego that there's also good experiences tied to it or neutral experiences rather and you can kind of start to balance out its response to a certain thing I don't want to call it a trigger but you know to a delayed response it's you're you're you begin to tell it yeah that one time it was a negative 
thing when they didn't respond for a while, but look, this time it's a neutral thing. Mm-hmm. And the more you do that and recognize that, the more you're like training your ego to not have a reaction to it, you know, to be able to see it as neutral unless something else tells you otherwise, like, like a, a tangible fact tells mm-hmm. you otherwise. Um, and this is, this is, I'm glad you like phrased it this way because this is, I really, really wanted to stress on this. A big part of ego work is recognizing that people's behavior is usually about themselves <laughs> and not like in a selfish manner, just like the example with you, like you're busy, you're working, you have writer. I mean, right now, especially like most of our communication has been through quarantine where you have writer at home, you have curriculum for him and you're working from home. You have a high stress job. Like you also just bought a house. So you were dealing with all of that and just really being able to step back and recognize that someone's actions are a lot more about their own self and their own situation than it has anything to do with you and how they might be feeling towards you. So part like that's part of accepting or kind of pausing and just like reflecting. Uh And the next part of this for me was accepting that there might be people in my life and friendships and relationships that I have that aren't to a healthy place of communication. And this is where one of my mantras come comes in and that has nothing to do with me. So if someone is delaying their response and it is out of frustration with me or anger towards me, that is their choice. And that has nothing to do with me. And I am of the respect and like mutual respect with people in my life where I will calmly communicate how I'm feeling um, and allow someone the chance to, you know, work it out with me. And if someone else is not to that stage in their life, that has nothing to do with me, you know? And so it's just kind of like, I can't, you know, you can do as much work on your end of pausing and reflecting and recognizing situations as neutral rather than negative. But there are some times that it might be actually a negative reaction, but you still shouldn't read into it. Like you still shouldn't allow your ego to create a story around it. The other side of that relationship should you know, have the mutual respect and be at the like healthy place to communicate to you. So until someone tells me and I can state it as a fact that they're upset with me, like how they're acting has nothing to do with me. That's their own choice. That's their own reaction. That's their own ego usually. And until they can express to me that they're actually bothered or annoyed or Hey, Jacqueline, that is a shitty podcast episode idea. (laughs) Until they (laughs) say that, the rest of it has nothing to do with me. And then once they tell me it has something to do with me, then it has something to do with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to put this into practice. It really is. Yeah. 
a really no, good. No, I mean, I can, I can imagine that it's hard too when you, because it's almost like impulsive. It's almost just an, a human emotion to want to figure out what's going on with someone oh, yeah. that you're in a relationship of any sort with, like friendship or romantic relationship. And you really have to keep that in check. And there's another side to this coin, too, is that a lot of this goes away if you only engage in healthy, loving Mm -hmm. relationships where Mm -hmm. communication is great on both sides. Because you can openly feel like you can express, hey, when you did this to me, the story I was telling myself was, you know, that you didn't find me attractive or like if you're talking to your partner or whatever, can we, can we work on that? There's things that you can do when you're in healthy relationships, not just romantic, but friendships as well. Yeah. To kind of almost avoid that altogether or at least avoid some of it. And so, yeah, you can do all this ego work and obviously Jacqueline's done a lot of it and I've done a lot of shadow work as well, but at the end of the day, if you're still engaging with like toxic communicators I still feel like it's not enough sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's just key to point out. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a really great example of this. And it was kind of the first time I think I exercised like a healthy boundary instead of allowing my ego to like, you know, react as it would. And it was basically, and actually... I'll kind of give some details because a lot of my followers on Instagram were pretty involved in um, my first relationship after my marriage. And we stayed friends after we broke up and then we kind of like disappeared and I'm sure people took notice. (laughs) And um, so basically what happened was um, he got into a new relationship And, um, pretty abruptly they stopped talking to me and my best friend, Farron. And I actually didn't really investigate. Um, I just assumed like, whatever, they're just in the honeymoon phase. They're kind of keeping to themselves and doing like lovey-dovey shit and whatever. Like when they're ready to hang out, they'll reach out. Um, this is like the one time I didn't assume it was about me and it actually was about me, but, (laughs) um, Farron got the lowdown and filled me in and basically they were told by I don't even want to say a mutual friend because I'm not friends with this person but they were told by a mutual acquaintance maybe that I said something negative and their reaction was to completely cut me off Um, they they never to this day have told me that that's what they were upset about or that they heard this or hey, I heard this and I don't want to speak to you anymore or, you know, whatever. Like, they've never reached out since. Um, And they actually cut Farron off as well, saying, if you are someone who would allow someone to speak about us or one of them in this manner, then you're not our friend either. And I think she's tried to kind of repair that relationship. But I was honestly like, I, I had the huge desire to defend myself. Um, Huge. The person who shared this supposed overheard comment with them is shady and not trustworthy. It's not someone I'm close to. It's not even someone I would confide in in that manner. Um, 
Yeah. And so I had such a desire to defend myself. I really, truly love and care about these two people. It definitely hurt that the mutual respect wasn't there for them to reach out and say, hey, I heard this and just open it up. Um, I definitely was like, wow, they don't give a fuck about our friendship because they're just willing to just fucking cut me off like that. Uh, I was angry. I was defensive. All of it. But I kind of paused and I was like, that has nothing to do with me. (laughs) It might sound like it totally does, but it really doesn't because. And you know what? I bet there were some underlying reasons. If, if people are that quick to cut you off, there's definitely, it doesn't have everything to do with you. Yeah. It might have something to do with you, but it doesn't have everything to do with you. And in a way, it kind of didn't have anything to do with me. First of all, I didn't say what they heard. I said, um, I don't speak to this person who shared that with them. Like, like literally, what did you, what did they say? You said like spill the tea. People are going to be pissed that you don't say what they're, you know? Okay. So it was a variation of something I actually did say, but oh man, this is like, this is a lot. Okay. So when my ex and I broke up, We stayed friends and I shared on my Instagram stories that he was single and we like, he would stay the night over like at mine and David's apartment. Like we all still hung out. It was, we were really close friends and it was like truly platonic and it was, it was actually like a pretty healthy transition for all of us. So one of my followers, and I don't want to phrase it that way. Someone who followed me for a very long time reached out to me to express interest in my ex. And I realized that I opened that up by posting on my story that he's single, but throughout our entire relationship, I had tagged him. He had a public Instagram. Um, I probably tagged him in that post too. Um, He was always accessible. So I expressed to my ex when I shared, Hey, this person's interested in you. Maybe you should message her. I shared Very simply, I think it's odd that she expressed this to me, uh, your ex, who she just watched for like two and a half years, like make out with you and sing with you and, you know, all the um, like relationship shit instead of reaching out to you. Okay. So it was kind of like, first of all, it was said directly to him. But second of all, it's kind of known that I thought that was odd. And it's not a big deal. Because it is. It is, right? It's not a big deal. It's not a negative thing necessarily. It didn't change my opinion. Um, I didn't judge their relationship. It's, it's, it was just a simple observation in my mind. Now, this was kind of like circulated again amongst people who I was not close to. I did not communicate with. I wouldn't even, I honestly wouldn't even call them acquaintances necessarily. They're friends with some of my friends. Um, we don't speak. I've been out at bars with them and did not speak to them. And like, like that's how that's, that's as big as the disconnect is there. And so it was really bizarre to me that, so basically it was, it was repeated directly to her, but in like a nasty form. And I've said this before on the podcast, there's nothing I've said behind someone's back that I wouldn't say to them or that they don't already know that I think. Um, I don't, Mm -hmm. 
have opinions to be like nasty to people or to, you know, look down on people or have judgment or whatever. But I'm such an like observing person and I love people and I love like humans and their nature and their actions. And I, I really, really like chew on that shit. So yeah, yeah. I, I created an observation and, and maybe an opinion around something. Um, and it got repeated in a, in an ugly way. And that says a lot more about the person who repeated it, um, than it does about me. And yeah, I just thought again, it just like none of my business has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with you, sister. Yeah. But in that situation, like that was the first time I was really able to see that I didn't need to defend myself. I didn't need to fight for a friendship that didn't offer this mutual respect. You know, if, if the situation were turned around, I absolutely would have reached out and said, hey, I heard this. Like, what's up? Or what the fuck? Meet me outside. I don't know. Whatever. Like, you want to kick my ass? That's cool. And then we can be over with it or what? <laughs> but like, resolve something. Shit. Don't just like leave it and cut people off. I think that's weird. But anyway. um, Yeah. So it was the first time I just was like, their reaction has nothing to do with me. Their reaction is their own idea of what needs to happen their own idea of what I said or 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 even like who I am what kind of person I am but it's not fact like their opinion or their reaction to this situation it doesn't change who I actually am and so I don't need to defend that to them you know like you don't so yeah I I think that that's that's huge in boundary setting. And I, I feel like boundary setting and ego work kind of have to go hand in hand because you can't have one without the other really. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't keep your ego in check without boundaries and vice versa. You can't have boundaries without respecting your ego and learning about your ego. Right. So I think that that's, that's a big one. Um, you know, I, I have my own set of, things you know I feel like we're like harping on all your issues right that your ego (laughs) says and we're not really talking about how awful I can be but um you know I I sat down probably a couple months ago and I wrote out kind of my shadow side as I call it my ego side and some of the things that I kind of tell stories about yeah so one of them is I always think I'm not enough I haven't done a ton of digging, but if you've listened to anything that's happened to me, you might understand why I feel that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I think it, st- it probably stems from, I wasn't enough to, for someone to magically morph into a good person. Yeah. Um, like my love and everything I gave wasn't enough to have someone respect me, et cetera. So it probably stems from that. I'm not done with my shadow work, so I'm not sure. But if I had to guess, so I always think that I'm not doing enough. I always think that people see me as like inferior and Mm -hmm. that I am, you know, not successful and things like that, which is, so I abstractly and 
I think that, and then logically I can look at the situation and be like, okay, Chantel, let's look yeah, at yeah. facts, right? <laughs> Jokes on <But> your ego. <laughs> there's some, there's some facts that we need to look at about you and see if that narrative that you're telling yourself actually adds up. Yeah. Right? Even makes sense for sure. And I think trauma teaches the ego a lot of things, um, a lot of not true things. And again, like your ego or your shadow refers back to your past experiences. And so I, I feel that way. Um, how you said, like you always feel inferior. Mm -hmm. I know I mentioned in our victimhood episode that I always feel like people can just tell that I have mental health struggles or that I'm like damaged goods is kind of how I see it. And I, I definitely feel the need to like, make up for it you know Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I trauma probably does a lot of shit to a lot of (laughs) a lot of our psyche and our ego and our brain and our body and all of it Mm -hmm. Um, you know nothing nothing is spared but yeah I mean and I I feel this way often I especially feel this way with my like my dad so I I feel like it's something that's attached to males and my male co-workers I mean if you know anything about me, I'm really, really young and I'm also pretty successful and that's not me boasting. Just I'm, I'm in a, I'm pretty successful and I'm in a field with a lot of guys, like in my position, I think there's two other women in my position. And, and so it's a lot of guys, like my boss is is a man, like a lot of corporate America is males. Right. And I am not the type of person who believes um, that women don't get fair treatment in the work place because I've, I've really never experienced anything to that nature but I do feel like my perception of it is sometimes like I'm I almost feel the need to like do more and be yeah. more and be like almost impressive and I do it with my dad too like if I, I I want when I got this job and when I started making a certain amount of money I like wanted to tell him and I wanted to tell him all about it to kind of impress my dad like my dad, my dad has known me my whole life. So I feel like there's definitely something to say about like, there was a male who inflicted severe trauma on me. And so now I feel some type of way yeah. um, for sure. So I, I haven't done enough work to know if that's the truth, but definitely something, you know, that I, that I think about. And then I, because he damaged my psyche so much in the way that he was always picking on my personal appearance because I was much hotter than him. And he was very insecure about that. I know that now. Um, (laughs) Not that that's important, like, but I was far superior in the genetics category. And people said that all the time. And I was like, no way. And and now looking back, I'm like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Hindsight, baby. So, so but because I went through that, I kind of always think that people are looking at me and judging me by the way that I look. And Mm -hmm. I feel a need to be perfect all the time. So, um, definitely there's some definite ego in there that I need to work through as well. And I just, I really wanted to go through that just so that Jacqueline wasn't like shitting on herself this whole episode, (laughs) just so that we can shit on me too. (laughs) I mean, I think for a long time, I couldn't recognize that about myself. And so, you know, I love that we can both share this and I really hope if you're listening, that you can pause and reflect on that. And, and it really helps 
like Chantel just did to kind of like like follow the trail back to where these thoughts originated and why your ego reacts this way. Um, I think that's such a huge part of it. And yeah, it's just, it's this holistic experience of really recognizing your past and trying to view it in a more neutral manner and then recognizing other people's actions are separate from you. And again, like viewing them in a very neutral manner and then before reacting recognize all that and then remind yourself like that has nothing to do with me and then react kind of thing it's like this it's a it's a long-term work but also it's something I do with each instance if that makes sense Yeah. And I feel like we've just come full circle and I just had like a trailing thought when you were talking about it, because I want to make it like very, very clear that if I had started or if I had stumbled upon the term ego work or shadow work four years ago, when I was in the midst of healing from trauma, I would not have been able to do it. I Mm -hmm. feel like you have to heal from trauma to be able to look at it in a neutral manner in an objective manner and then proceed forward in growth and, and really step into learning more about your ego and doing that ego work. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would hands down agree on that because you know, if, if I had started doing ego work, I can't speak for you, Jacqueline, but if I had started doing ego work when I was healing, I was still in like a victimhood mindset. Like, I don't know that I would have been able to see these qualities about myself and trace them back and recognize that like we talked about in our trauma episode like what my ex-husband did to me had nothing to do with me yeah and it had everything to do with him so all of those actions that were done against me had everything to do with him instead of I at the time I was internalizing it and I thought that I wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. and that's the story I told myself at the time but I had to recognize that my trauma had everything to do with him. It was terrible and no one should ever have to go through that. That's part of the human experience is, is you're going to be mistreated. Some of us way worse than others. And if I hadn't have healed from that in a, in a, an objective manner to where I could look back and recognize that it had nothing to do with me, I wouldn't have been able to move forward and start working on like my shadow or my ego self. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, so as soon as I realized like what my trauma was, which was actually kind of like late in life in comparison to when it happened, um, I immediately started reading this book. So I was sexually abused as a child and I started reading this book, The Body Keeps the Score. And it was really, really, really insightful and helpful for me to, yeah, just accept that it wasn't my fault, but also accept kind of like the history of my abuser. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get into this a lot when I share like a whole episode on my trauma, because I think it's really important. But I think before you can truly do like ego work, you really have to be able to look at your past and look at each individual that hurt you. And I mean, we're, we're both coming from abusive situations. So I feel like I can say this with confidence, but you have to look at the people that hurt you as humans 
And you have to understand that they have their whole own past and history that led them to become the person that they are. And you have to be able to like, accept that. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to accept your abuse and you don't have to accept their actions, but I don't know. It's just like, it's this objectiveness, like you said, or like Mm -hmm. almost this neutrality for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have strong emotions towards my abuser. I don't have any hate there. I don't, I totally see him in his own like life experience and it's really unfortunate that it led him to his actions, you know, that inflicted me pain. But I feel like you have to separate yourself from that, like, tangled mess and just kind of, like, look at it, like, you know, from from above, if you will. Like, <laughs> look down on it yeah. and separate yourself and just see it as this, like, separate thing from yourself. And if you can do that, if you can do that, like, apply that to people who've hurt you in the past and even if it's not like as traumatic as our experiences you know your parents is a really great um, place to start I feel Mm -hmm. you can view these people as humans with their own pain and their own you know just life experience I really think that's the place to start and then you can get into obviously seeing you know your friend who's late to lunch is having her own life and her own life experience (laughs) you know Yeah, I mean, I think that you're exactly right there is that you have to look at it from this like neutral place without any hate or anger. And if you follow that trail that that Jacqueline kind of laid out for us, if you think that your abuser or someone who wronged you, like maybe someone who gossiped against you or like it doesn't have to be someone who punched you in the face or sexually abused you. Any emotional distress. So if you follow their pain then you'll realize okay someone or some or or multiple people inflicted them pain so then in order to be angry at someone you have to continue following this trail and you'll you'll find quickly that you can't there's no one to place this blame on because it's just part of the human experience and that's a key to to healing and doing that ego work as well because you can't inflict pain on some, I mean, think about how you behave when you're in pain. It is not usually pretty if you're not like evolving. So, oh yeah, and I mean, you have to recognize that you've hurt people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe not to that extent. I've never sexually abused someone uh, for sure, but right. I feel like I traumatized my ex-husband um, and maybe even my child at points during that um, really low mental health point. Not. Not to that extent, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, all of us have hurt someone. Like, as mm-hmm. minimal or as harsh as it was, like, we are all, none of us perfect, you know? Yeah, I've hurt people majorly, majorly. So just, and it was because I was in pain. So yeah. recognizing that yeah. and working on that and, and then healing and doing that ego work of the stories that you tell yourself and recognizing where that comes from is such an important part of it. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of leads to my next point and kind of like the final chapter. (laughs) Like, why do it? Why do ego work? I'll be honest that this is really hard for me. Um, Like we mentioned, I think everything is about me. Um, I'm a Leo and I'm a two 
And I am just the kind of human that is very integrated into other people's emotions and reactions and uh, experience with me and their perception of me. And like all of this is interesting to me and I care heavily about it. So (laughs) ego work is not easy for me. And um, I'm also really hard on myself. So being able to neutralize my thoughts and even my own actions and reactions is hard. So why the fuck do it? Like why? The biggest, biggest thing that I put in my notes, I wrote it three times and I underlined each word, forgive, forgive, forgive. And I feel like I, like I said, as far as like realizing my trauma, I had um, a pretty healthy outlet to like, first of all, realize that abuser as a human. Um, But if you didn't have that experience, this is like so huge to be able to look at people as humans with their own experiences and to be able to just hold that neutrally in your mind and separate yourself from it. And it's very similar in doing so like for yourself Uh and almost like separating yourself from your wrongdoings or separating yourself from your mistakes uh-huh. And seeing yourself as this human who's experienced pain and who's has their own life experiences and, you know, is for the most part doing the best that we can. And there's just this huge aspect of forgiveness around like this kind of shift in mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's also incredibly hard for me. And I sat down to kind of, you know, write out what I felt like was my ego or my shadow or whatever you call it and, and assess how I behaved. And that is because not necessarily because I think that everything's about me, but I can be like incredibly self-righteous and stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that I'm right pretty much all the time. Um, especially when I'm emotional, So I can be incredibly self-righteous and it's also hard because I have to revisit trauma. So, and Jacqueline knows this because we recorded a trauma episode that, um, we're going to record again because I've listened to it and I'm not happy with it. And I never saw the light of day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like, wasn't much of myself on that episode, like uh, of how Jacqueline probably knows me and, and, and I cried and it was really difficult Um, because even though I'm so far removed from it, it's very hard for me to go back there. It Mm -hmm. was very recent in the grand scheme of like my life. And so, um, it's hard for me because I have to revisit trauma and I'm incredibly self-righteous sometimes. I mean, I am by nature, a selfish, self-righteous person. And I've had to do a lot of work to not be that way. I don't necessarily, I'm really good at separating people's like reactions from, kind of like I'm good at recognizing that it's about them not me but I can be just like really selfish and really self-righteous if I don't check myself yeah I can as well so um that's kind of like a deep deep reason of like why do it why do ego work but I feel like the biggest reason and the biggest thing that this has done for me is just simply improve It has improved like all of my experiences, 
all of my interactions, all of how I perceive things and take things in, which has improved my relationships and which has improved my overall happiness. And you know what? Like it really allows you to avoid or remove some of the conflict. Avoid is probably a better um, word to use there. It really allows you to avoid some of the conflict that would have disrupted an otherwise like happy and healthy relationship. And a big one for me, big, big one for me that I want to give an example about, because this is probably the biggest thing I have been able to see like growth in, um, is my relationship with my best friend, Farron. And uh, she's <laughs> love you, girl. I swear. I love you to the freaking moon and back, but this girl can get on my nerves. And we are very different. And a lot of the ways that she's different from me, I can find myself perceiving as a lack of respect to me or a lack of love for me or, you know, whatever. My ego, right? Like, it's just all my ego. This girl is late to everything. She'll be fucking late to her own wedding. She'll be late to her own damn funeral. Like, she's late to everything. And Farron, if you're listening, I fucking love you. But when she's late to something with me, I immediately internalize that as, like, she doesn't respect me. And, and timeliness, it can be the experience of a lack of respect, right? Like, a lot of us were taught that, first of all. Like, that's ingrained mm-hmm. in a lot of us. But a lot of us have that experience as well. I mean, if someone's late to a first date with you, you know, they probably don't respect you. <laughs> like, this, right. this is not always fiction. Sometimes it is fact. But in this situation specifically... I've started to be able to pause and reflect and just say, like, that's not about me. Like, she's late to everything, first of all. So it's really great because I'm able to be like, no, this bitch is literally late to everything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But even if, you know, even if she wasn't, even if it was just, you know, things with me, what are the facts here? I mean, this person has like stood by me through the depths of hell um, and she did not come out unscorched. So, um, you know, truly, if we want to talk about love and respect, I cannot think of a person who has shown me that to the degree that she has. And so it's so silly. Like looking back, I'm like, I, I honestly allowed so much negative emotion And so much like disruption to our friendship and so much conflict. Like, I can't tell you how many times we've like met for dinner or something. And I was just like a moody bitch because she was running late, you know? And it's like, it didn't change. It shouldn't have changed the experience. So in that moment, I had a distinct choice. I could allow this. And again, this is my choice, my responsibility, my choice. I chose the experience. I allowed it oftentimes to disrupt what normally would have been a happy, fun occasion. 
So there's like two in an alternate universe. There's a different, you know, path that this dinner, you know, that she was late to could have gone. And the first path is that I get annoyed she's late. I'm kind of like snarky the whole dinner. You know, obviously she starts to feel uncomfortable at some point. She's really good at taking my shit in stride. So it never ends up in like a fight. But still, neither of us have a great time, you know, where I'm like being snarky. And she's like, well, shit, I pissed her off. Okay. Uh, Now I'm uncomfortable. Okay. And then the other, the alternative option is that I literally act as I would have acted if she was on time, because it literally doesn't make a difference to our friendship. And we just have a happy, great dinner, you know? And it's like such a choice. It's like those books we used to read where you got to pick like the next chapter or whatever. I forget how it worked, but you'd like totally skip ahead to like which path you wanted to take. Um, I forget what they're called. We got to find those because those were good. But (laughs) it's literally like that. Like when you are able to take a step back and just see this person as a human, um, you can really change your experiences and like change your life and your overall happiness and relationships, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so important for relationships and relationships are really what we as humans thrive on. Um, my, the last, I've talked a lot about my last ex because he was really big into emotional intelligence. Like one of his goals was to become an emotional intelligence coach for like big brands. Um, I don't know if he still wants to do that, but he was really big into ego work as well. I don't know that he called it that, but just, he was so good about assessing the situation from a very objective point of view. Mm -hmm. And it made our relationship so much better. Um, our communication was so good and it was really probably the first relationship I've had with a man who took accountability for that and had done that work. And those relationships y'all are thriving. If, if, if two people can come together and do that work and communicate and do that ego work and realize that another person's response isn't necessarily um, about them, I think that marriages would last so much longer and lifetime partnerships would last longer or would be more the norm because it's always about communication and ego is a huge part of communicating. Like, Oh yeah. Huge. Huge. And so you hear that communication is key in any relationship. And so, I mean, hopefully like, as we've talked through this episode, we've demonstrated kind of like ways in which it can help with a healthy relationship, whether it was like Mm -hmm. Jacqueline and I talking about how we communicate or Jacqueline talking about Farron or me talking about my ex. It's like what it boils down to is that it kind of alleviates this breakdown in communication. And when you have two people who have both done the work, so maybe Jacqueline's done ego work, but someone else hasn't. So she's able to take herself away from that situation and like remove herself objectively. But the other person doesn't really take accountability for her emotions because they love her. Not that they should take accountability for her emotions. That's probably the wrong word, but isn't considerate of like knowing the type of person that she is. So when you do all this work internally, you understand others better and you're Mm -hmm. able to kind of empathize with them more. Uh, the, The example I gave earlier about how I know that, you know, I should respond to Jacqueline. I should not respond to her. 
um, or forget about it. I try to make a point to respond to her because I know that she can have catastrophic thoughts and that she can feel a certain way about that. And that's, she puts, she has never put pressure on me to do that ever. It is something I do because I care about her and vice versa. There's other ways that we communicate as well. But when you've done the work, you're able to recognize like other people better as well and be a better person to them. Yeah. Um, you're a better friend, a better wife, a better girlfriend, a better mom, especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> the mom thing, like, you know, I, I struggle with big time because especially with like temper tantrums and things like that, because Ryder is so smart that I'm like, you know, that this is not the right thing to do. Right. (laughs) And so we, you know, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to air my son's dirty laundry, but (laughs) you know, there's been a couple temper tantrums lately and it has been in one of them. I was more angry than I was objective. And in the second one, I was much more objective and it was almost like trial and error because I'm trying to get through to him. He's very, he's a Taurus. He's incredibly strong willed. Um, I'm trying to get through to him in like a way that he understands. And when I responded with more like objective thoughts about it and didn't kind of internalize anything he did, because you can still do that as a parent, even though they're oh, yeah. children, you very much can take things personally. Um, when I did it the second time, the, t- the tantrum didn't last as long. And the next day he was so sorry about it and really snapped back into his normal self. But when I was more angry and reactive as a mom, um, it w- it just drug on and he felt worse about it. And You know, so as a mother, the ego work is huge as well. And I think teaching our children how to do it is going to be something amazing for them to have in their toolkit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's it's hard to see our kids as just their own separate humans because they are so obviously a part of us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And every like every interaction between mother and child, I feel is so personal, like it really is so tied to you you know um and so yeah I would say probably it's even harder to practice you know separating your ego from how your child's acting and obviously like mom guilt is like a big part of this and you're directly responsible for parenting them and raising them and you feel responsible for the kind of person they become and so it's like a really Mm -hmm. sensitive thing but they are so totally their own freaking humans and a lot of it really is not about you (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of asking like my mom, what am I doing wrong? You know, and I've done a lot wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty. (laughs) There's so much I could have done better and there will be in the future so much that I can continue to do better. Um, and I'm constantly having to work on it because when they're babies, they are still their own person, but they are not as independent And so they're still relying on you. They can't really talk. But when they get to like Ryder's age, Owen's age, like six, five, six, seven, they're expressing that they're their own person. They're acting Mm -hmm. out. They're testing boundaries. And it is so hard to not take it personally um, because you're like, God, I'm screwing up or God, this is my fault. I should have gotten remarried early and settled so that he would have a dad. Like I internalize all those things. 
Yeah. And, you know, me too. For sure. I blame myself for, for everything. And it's just not the case. Like I've got a really strong willed independent child. So <clears throat> it's not, not about me. Some of it is I fucked up in yeah, some yeah. places, but, <laughs> but, oh, our but intrin- children's intrinsically not about me. Yeah. Their hard headedness is about us, but <laughs> yeah. some of the other shit, not about me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I kind of want to end this with, again, I'm not a therapist, but a couple like little tidbits of advice. Um, I totally hope you will write down my mantras and try to put them into play sometimes that has nothing to do with me and that's none of my business. And then another thing, another like tool to put in the toolkit that I use is um, like when you're having a thought like, okay, so let's say your, your boyfriend isn't responding for a few hours and you're thinking like, oh, he's mad at me. Um, the thought that normally comes to mind is they're mad at me, right? Like he's mad at me. So like a really small piece of work that you can start doing is just reframing that and saying, I wonder, I wonder if he's mad at me. And just like, just to allow some flexibility into that statement will start to kind of train your ego to, again, like not think of your thoughts as hardcore facts and just to be able to hold them a little more fluidly just as a thought you know just as a question instead of a firm (laughs) statement so those are the three things that I have found very helpful initially and really throughout all of this um just really separating myself considering or, or recognizing and reflecting like when I'm feeling defensive or when I'm feeling a negative emotion or thinking someone's having a certain emotion towards me pausing right there reframing you know, my thoughts into more like fluid questions rather than facts or statements. And then trying to kind of write it off as like, that has nothing to do with me or that's none of my business. And you can even say like, that's none of my business for now. And then, you know, allow your mind to understand that like, it's none of your business until they bring it up to you that you're upsetting them or, you know, whatever. So that's my advice. Well, that's, that's, thanks for coming to my Ted talk. Uh, (laughs) I love it. No, I mean, I am a huge fan of mantras. I am like when I am derma rolling my skin, I tell it how beautiful it is. Just, I I mean, like I am a mantra person. Yeah. Um, so like I, I say these things throughout my entire day in life, but I think something that I kind of want to, as we're ending this bring up is like, This is so hard. It is so hard in general, but it is even more hard if you are a naturally negative critical person, which I would say I am a happy person. I'm an outgoing person, but my natural emotion is usually negativity. So it is the same here. Really hard for me to like, I have to like, force myself to do these things because if I take two days off or a week off from doing these like mantras and these routines and these meditations and this work, my whole life will go get out of whack because I am then not 
working on the positive and I'm naturally living in my natural state of negativity. Yeah, I think like having the ability to be such a deeply critical thinker as both of us are can definitely open you up to like accidentally leaning towards <laughs> the negative side of things. I yeah. hugely relate to that and am very much so the same. And obviously like uh, that is why I have those mantras. That's why I've been practicing this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it does not come easily to me. I am very friendly and very positive um, in what I give out. Um, but if you were in my mind for a day, you, you know, would realize <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to put it because people do often come to me. They slide into my DMs all the time for whatever reason for advice. It's always been this way since I was I a love kid. It. I, and- I was one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And like, shout out to everyone who does, because I mean, I don't know what, I don't really know why, like, I don't know why you slid into my DMs for advice. Like, I don't know, but (laughs) this happens to me a lot. And that's not like, obviously y'all know me well enough or hopefully you know me well enough to know I do not put myself on any kind of pedestal. (laughs) Like I will talk about what a shit bag I am any day, but like for whatever reason, a lot of people come to me for advice, like a lot more than you would think. I have a ton of women in my DMs and I think that I've always thought, like, why the fuck are they coming to me? Like, if they could only tell what's going on, if they could only hear what's going on in my head. A day in the life, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? Or, like, if they could only see the reality behind here. But I am good at knowing what to do. So I try to take myself out of that. But, like, it is so hard for me. I was talking to the girl who was building the house. And we were talking through some of this stuff. And she signed up for CoStar. I got her to sign up for CoStar. Side note. Oh, yay. Um, we love CoStar. CoStar is an app that y'all need to download. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we were talking through some of this stuff. And I was telling her, like, it's really, really, really hard for me. Like, I have to schedule it in my day. I have to have a routine. I have to have my crystals. Like, I cannot just, like, wing it. Like, I have to schedule it into my day because if I don't do it, which to be honest, during quarantine, I haven't been journaling as much. I haven't been showing as much gratitude. I haven't been manifesting as much. Like I'll fall out of whack y'all. Yeah. I think it's it's really important to note that this is just something that is very hard and, and very worth it, but it is very hard. You have to put in the work. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, just sitting down earlier to write out my notes, like I have a lot of ego work kind of throughout my journal, but I I needed it all in like one bulleted place um, for us to record. And I got up from that table and also got like distracted on my phone and stuff. I mean, dozens of times, like I sat, sat there and not sat there for like two hours writing this out. And normally, like when I write notes for our episodes, it's like 10 minutes. So (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard to be introspective and it's really hard to face your shit. Like that's not, don't, don't let us undermine that by any means. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it's hard to implement. It's, it takes some like serious vulnerability to seek out the kind of people who will be open about these things with you and to have those deep relationships. It really does. It is 
really, really hard. But once you, what I found is once you start living in this truth and this transparency and this place of like, I'm a shit show, but I'm going to work on it and I'm going to get there and I'm going to do my best. You kind of, and this is kind of, this is true because y'all know what I believe in, in the law of attraction. You start attracting those people. Like recently I've had just so many people brought into my life, usually through like Instagram and they're seeing things I post or whatever that are just so open and vulnerable and raw. And those are the kind of people I've craved my entire life, but really never got. So, um, it's, it just really makes your life a whole lot better. I feel like we could go on and on about it. Yeah. (laughs) We could sit here and talk to y'all all day about this shit because we are shit shows who have somehow managed to make something of our lives. Yep. We're working on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Just, just watch. You can join us, join us as we get there together. Well, I think that we need to end this because we're at one twenty, one hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> we will, we could talk about this all day. So slide into our DMS, comment on our posts. Like, let's talk, let's have a conversation let's chat. Um, and one of us will respond. I try to get on our Instagram as much as possible, but really it's Jacqueline. Thank you for joining us. Come back next time. We love you. We appreciate all the support and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.